Hoopball Podcast listeners. Are you a fantasy expert and want to write or podcast for Hoopball? Do you have aspirations of covering a team? Are you a master of sales and want to earn some cash on the phones? Well, we've got good news. Hoopball's recruiting. If you think you have what it takes, hit us up at Hoopball Fantasy on Twitter or by emailing teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. Again, that's at Hoopball Fantasy on Twitter or emailing teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. The following is a Hoopball presentation. Hello and welcome to the Hoopball DFS Today podcast. I am your host Mike Apatria, joined by my good buddy today, uh, and we're gonna we're gonna give him we're gonna give him a chance to reintroduce himself because it's been a while and it's been a while for all of us. Uh, my good buddy David Menkoff. David, how are you? How is New York City looking? Hey, Mike, doing well. Uh, you know, just trying to to survive uh, this 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 tough time we're all dealing with new york city is certainly quite a shell of what it used to be for sure um so excited to to get back up and running uh in the near future yeah and i i'm I'm not too far from you i'm right over here in connecticut so uh you know stones throw um you know you guys obviously at the forefront of pretty much everything that's been going on as of late so uh you know i know everybody over here hoop ball wishes you the best and i'm uh, and we wish, you know, New York City the best. And, you know, if there's one state that can bounce back from uh, tremendous adversity, it is the great state of New York City. And we've seen that time and time again. So, um, I, I, you know, nothing but the best over here for me. And I know that we'll end up getting through this. And, you know, the one thing that is the light at the end of the tunnel is it looks like sports is on the horizon. We're slowly starting to see them trickle in. And as that happens, man, we find ourselves back talking about them. And that's the that's the piece to all this. So uh, I wanted to reintroduce you because you did start, you know, and begin doing shows for us over here at Hoopball. Uh, probably about one week, the week before everything kicked off with the uh, COVID-19. And uh, people got to hear you, got to meet you. But, uh, you know, we're going to – I don't feel like it was justice, man. So why don't you tell everybody a little bit more about yourself, how you kind of got started over here at Hoopball, uh, you know, how you got started at DFS, and maybe a couple of just uh, fun facts that we can use to get to know you. Absolutely. I appreciate that. So I'd say in terms of Hoopball, uh, I've been an avid listener of the Hoopball kind of uh, startup uh, kind of vibe and kind of just working on trying to understand and really big fan of you know the whole operation uh, over at football and really been a fan for, for a few years now um and in terms of the daily fantasy perspective something that i've definitely been a huge fan of and been a big part of of my life day to day uh for the past few years as well um so it's something that i've always been intrigued at uh it's something that i really enjoyed uh learning about and and that's kind of why I really wanted to, to jump in and kind of talk through kind of my strategies and kind of how, how I look at just lineups in general. Um, and then from, from a fun fact perspective, um, I would say for me, uh, it would be just being able to um, just to, to touch upon kind of the fact that I am a Philadelphia 76ers fan, uh, even though living in New York, it's, it's kind of uh, – 
kind of a dangerous proposition uh, being a Sixers fan. So it's certainly <laughs> something that definitely gets some backlash for sure. <laughs> I uh, I think we, you know, around here in Connecticut, what we generally would call somebody living in New York not being a Knicks fan is, um, you know, smart. Um, so... Uh, you know, I may, I may take, I may take some heat for that one, but, uh, you know, I think, I think most Nick fans at this point and maybe the past few years might agree with me that you almost have to be clinically insane to be a Nick slash Jets fan, uh, you know, over the past few years. So, uh, I, I'm just joking. I, I mean, I pretty much live in Connecticut, uh, our televised games, I was getting the Knicks. So during the, the rough times, man, um, I was watching probably about, you know, 25 to 40 games of Alexis fed per season. Uh, and I was loving every second of it, but I'm, well, we're glad to have you, man. I'm glad to be able to finally be doing a show with you. Um, I was hearing great things, talking, talking with Andrew about you, talking with Dan. Uh, so shout out Dan Bespus over there. Uh, you know, being one of the, the, the man behind the curtain kind of weaving all this beautiful, beautifulness together. Uh, but we're going to jump right into it, man. We, we're going to be talking some, uh, so last time I was on, Andrew and I were talking some simulation strategy when that first started to kick off to give everybody some entertainment during this you know, time at home. But uh, with sports right on the horizon, we're going to just kind of go back through, uh, talk about some strategy-based you know, based contests, like whether it's cash game strategy, tournament strategy, some things to look forward to. Uh, just to kind of get us back in the swing of things, get the gears moving in the brain again. Uh, and then we're going to start breaking down some notable teams. Hopefully by then we have a better idea of what kind, what teams and what kind of season we'll be looking at once we return. But we're going to start with the teams that we at least know will be in the big picture regardless as long as there is a playoff scenario. How they're going to be looking, uh, you know, maybe some notable things to keep an eye on that we've heard through, through over the past few weeks uh, that's going to impact the DFS landscape. So... We'll jump right into things, brother. So we're just going to start off. Uh, you know, what are you know the bit the main difference between a cash game and the GPP? Why don't you just run that over real quick, just quickly? Um, you know, for the people that are listening, who maybe you know, some we have we have all different groups of listeners over here for our DFS platform, whether they're veterans, whether they're new. Just a quick definition that you'd say: uh, cash versus GPP. Absolutely. So appreciate that. Um, so in terms of, I would say from a cash versus GPP perspective. Uh, the main difference I, I look at when creating lineups and kind of dissecting kind of strategies for, for the weekly lineups and daily lineups um, would be uh, the fact that just in cash games itself, the prize pool is typically um, the top 50% of the entries typically cash out um, versus the bottom 50. Um, so typically that that's a, a huge factor in kind of how you're building your lineups. You want to, be in that top 50% in order to cash uh, versus those, those, those GDP tournaments. Um, you're looking at a much larger scale uh, amount of, of just entries and, and potential lineups variations. Um, and typically it's very much top heavy uh, from a payout standpoint. Uh, and, and that certainly adds a different level of volatility to the kind of strategy and overall um, lineup builds. I think that was uh, picture perfect. And, you know, that that was going to segue, you know, pretty much into the the next you know topic of uh, I wanted to speak on is, the, you know, the kind of contest that we're going to be choosing and the differences between those contests. So uh, you said it perfectly, um, you know, mainly for cash, the contests that we're going to be looking at are your 50 50s. 
uh, your heads up contest, the ones where, you know, you only need to finish in the top 50 percentile in order to win it. Obviously if it's a heads up, it's, you know, you're finishing one out of two. Um, and if it's a, it's a 50, 50 contest with a hundred people in that contest, you would need to finish in the top 50, the fit top 50 percentile. So it'd be top 50, uh, or above to cash out, double your money pretty much. Uh, obviously most sites will take a rake, not counting that rake. It would be doubling your money. So, um, you know, that's, that's perfect definition for it. I love it. And you know what that means to me and it, it, you know, and what everybody else should be looking at this for is if you're playing in one of these cash game contests, it doesn't matter if let's say I said there's a hundred people in the contest. If you finish, you know, 49th, or if you finish first, you're winning the same amount of money. And that's something that you take into an account when you're constructing these lineups, as opposed to our tournaments uh we're we're really trying to finish in that top you know realistically top you know 10 15 percentile pays out uh but we're not playing in a tournament to pay out minimum because that then if that's the case we'd only be paying cash or double ups uh what we're really doing is to try to finish in that top one percentile and to do that you need to take it to a lot of other factors uh you know including prices including ownerships including you know ceiling floors and all those things and we're going to touch on those things and the difference in why what we look at for a cash and gpp so I don't know if there's anything else you wanted to kind of add as far as, uh, you know, the contest, but mostly if I'm playing cash game, I'm, I'm, I generate more towards uh, the 50-50s. And if you're playing, you know, bigger bunny, I kind of find myself gravitating towards the heads up because I'd rather just, you know, play somebody one-on-one -on -one for a little bit more money. Um, and then I'll spread my 50-50s out. But um, let's say, let's touch on some, some bankroll management as far as this, before we just jump into the nitty gritty as far as ownership and all the other fancy, uh, you know, terminology that we use. Um, what would you say, what would you recommend as far as bankroll management, um, when you're looking at, you know, cash versus GPP and, uh, we'll say we have the, the, you know, the bankroll of, I have a hundred dollars in my DraftKings account right now. Yeah, that's a great, uh, great question. So you have a hundred dollars in your account um i would say on a nightly basis from a bankroll perspective i think it really depends on kind of what kind of what kind of dfs player are you trying to become so i think that's the number one factor um in determining kind of where you're going to go with with that bankroll so if, if you're looking to kind of have a more i would say i would say a more managed kind of expectation level and somehow be able to kind of test your knowledge and strategies in, in, in an environment where, where you can potentially finish at the top 50% um, versus, you know, really going after and going all in on some of those large UV tournaments. I think from a bankroll perspective, you want to definitely, you know, dip in a little bit in, in the tournament pools, you know, with, with those larger scale tournament actions, typically those millionaire makers, those are worth, you know, throwing some of your bankroll into. But I would say if you have $100 and you want to you wanna have a fairly fairly solid baseline for, for success, I, I would say definitely look at more 50-50s kind of head-to-head -head kind of style games. Yes, and that's exactly pretty much what I was uh, you know, putting it on the tee for you for. And you, and, you, and you successfully hit it right off the tee. 
Um, it's but mostly for, you know, when bankroll management, when it comes down to it, we're using a lot of these 50-50s to cover ourselves. If you're a, if you're a heavy tournament player, and uh, I, I think Dave kind of lumps himself in the same category, and um, I consider myself more of a GPP-type player, and people that are listening probably know this by now, but that doesn't mean I necessarily don't play cash games. You know, if you have a $100 bankroll, um, you know, what I'm going to recommend and what I generally play, let's say if I had $100 in my DraftKings account, is I'm never playing more than 20% um, of, of my entire allotment. So I would play $20 at most in a night if I have $100 in there. And now I have to allocate that. How much is that going towards cash and how much is that going towards GPP? Well, uh, you know, we're pretty much if you're successful and, and you touched on it, you know, what kind of DFS player do you want to be? Uh, when I first started, I was the type of player that I wanted to play with house money. So I used, you know, specifically 50 fifties and double ups to earn myself a bankroll. And then once I had an, an allotted bankroll that I was playing with some house money, I started entering in a few contests here and there, uh, you know, testing my skills, building some GPP lineups and eventually the bankroll got larger, but I was always playing about, uh, you know, 20% of my bankroll, um, and when it's early on and you don't have a big bankroll to play with, I would allocate at least, uh, you know, 75% of that towards your cash games. And as that starts to kind of, you know, build up and you have some money to play with, you can go maybe a little bit 50-50 if you want to play some cash, uh, some tournament, and then even if you want to go a little less. Uh, but I would always make sure I have more money in my, you know, at least equal or more money in my cash game to cover my losses on those tournament nights. Because there's a lot of times where your tournament line, uh, could easily crush in a cash game and you know it, in other times where your tournament line would have finished in the absolute bottom that's the point of a tournament there's a lot of uh, up and down there's a lot of risk reward you're really playing for that top number one spot uh, and that's going to take us into you know why we construct how we construct and the differences between construction or constructing our cash and tournament lineup so um, you know, the number one thing I always factor in and I have with a big circle and a big star going around it right now is ownership, Dave. So I'm going to I'm going to put it on the tee for you. Uh, and I know this is a big you know, touch point uh, when it comes to our cash games. And, you know, what's the difference between ownership and looking at ownership in cash versus tournament? Absolutely. So I would say, again, the first variable in that would be kind of the size of your slate. So if, if we're looking at a four-game slate, let's say, versus like a 10 or 11, one of those monster game slates that we like to, to, to really project. Um, so if you're looking at, let's say, one of those monster slates, um, typically when you're looking at catch games, you're looking at ownership um, potentially that's going to be at least around 15 20% for a player, I would say, for, for cash games. Um, in, order to, to, in order to look at, you know, cashing in the top 50%, that's what you're kind of aiming for. Um, when you have those smaller slates, those percentages tend to increase significantly to, to around 30 to 40%, depending on the type of slate as well. Um, so I would say that that's a main difference versus a GPP lineup where you're expecting to throw in a few a few dart throws, to say the least, that are typically low-owned in that 5-10% range to really differentiate your lineup. So I would say that those are kind of different, the differentiating kind of percentages that you want to look for when you're building your, your bankroll lineups. Uh, no, that's absolutely perfect. And, you know, when we look at these ownerships and when you're constructing and you're thinking about ownership, uh, you're really thinking about it a lot more in a GPP necessarily as a cash. When I'm building my cash lineups, 
Um, I'm, I, you know, I, I think about ownership sometimes. I'll, I'll think about a pivot here and there, but I'm really less concerned because I'm not trying to separate myself from the pack as much. I'm just trying to construct what I think can be, you know, a fairly high scoring lineup. I'm not worried about finishing first again, or I'm not finish, finishing about uh, worried about finishing 49th. Um, I will pay out the exact same. So, uh, you know, you'll hear the term thrown around in DFS pretty often, and it's called chalk. And you'll hear a lot of people that play tournaments trying to fade the chalk, trying to avoid the chalk, trying to pivot from the chalk. Whereas in cash, uh, we'll eat that chalk more often than not because if, you know, we're not necessarily looking for much more than him just hitting his value. And if he has that upside, fantastic. But the bare minimum is hitting that floor and hitting the ceilings and uh, making sure that we're getting what we're paying for. So, you know, that's that's kind of it. As far as ownership, um, the percentages that you mentioned, 5% ownership, that's, that's exactly the type of guy that we're looking for in one of those GPPs. Uh, a guy that's finishing well above where he's projected to at like a 5 or even sometimes you see 2, 3, 4% ownerships. Uh, because that's differentiating yourself. That's separating yourself from the pack. Um, those are the types of plays that will get you finishing first, second, or third, uh, as opposed to the guys who are 60, 70% ownership uh, and then bust. And then all of a sudden you're, you're, you're looking forward to that next night pretty quickly. So uh, I'll, I'll transition right into those floors and ceilings that I just mentioned, uh, because that's one thing I take into account, you know, awfully awfully a lot when i'm looking into building my cash my turning uh lineups and it's simply uh because you know you don't need to be as risk adverse uh as in in cash as opposed to your tournament so um you know why don't you touch on some of the things as far as floors and ceilings when you know obviously you 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 get a guy that has you know two players can be priced at the same price they both can be about let's say six thousand on dk um but they might be six thousand for two different reasons so um, how do the floors and a ceiling of a player affect whether or not he has the opportunity to make your cash game lineup? That's a great point. Uh, and Mike, you really mentioned the fact that it's essential for cash games to really look at that floor uh, when you're really building your lineups. You really want to look at guys that have a pretty high uh, floor that you're looking for. You're not really chasing that really high ceiling as much. You're chasing that high floor kind of player. Um, and, and when you're building your lineups, if you can burden your whole lineup out of high floor players, they're typically more likely to hit value and you're more likely, again, to finish in that top 50 percent. So that, that's that would be kind of the way I would look at cash games uh, in constructing lineups. And it's important to really look at kind of the players themselves. And, and as you start to develop and understand kind of the players and kind of you look at kind of their their game logs. That's a great way to determine what kind. What is there? What is that? What is that floor they're actually? What is that floor they have potential for? Um, and and that's really going to go a long way in understanding um, where that player is. And, and if if he's six if he's six thousand dollars versus another player that's six thousand, that's going to be a factor in, in putting that lineup together for for cash builds versus GPPs. Yeah, and that's pretty much exactly what I was hinting towards. It's that not everybody's price is created equally. You know, one player that could be $6,000 could, uh, you know, be averaging, let's say, 30 DK points, and the other player could be $6,000 averaging 30 DK points. But uh, player A has four games, five games of 45 or plus more DK points, but four or five games as low as you know 14 or 15 dk points while the other person could just be steady uh 25 as a as a floor with the ceiling of 35 so you know you're not necessarily going to have that sort of ceiling or upside 
of getting the 50 or 30 or 45 point games out of player B, but we know you're getting that security blanket of that. He's not going to burn you. You're getting 25 at the very least. And you have the upside of 30 to 35. And that's exactly what you're looking for in the cash games is a nice, nice, high, safe, secure floor with some upside for a little bit more. And, you know, those are just some pretty generic examples of player A versus player B. But, you know, with that, with that kind of notion and, and with that kind of, you know, mindset of, what could this guy do for me and how could he hurt me at the same time time is extremely important when I'm constructing because like I said, I'm trying to be risk adverse in my cash. I want to feel comfortable. I want to know that this is the only lineup I'm making and I'm putting it all up for, you know, every single lineup. It could be my hundred, two hundred dollars worth of cash value that night and I'm making one lineup for it. So uh, you know, you don't want to necessarily be risk adverse or as risk. You want to be risk adverse. So I was, uh, we're talking about, you know, if a guy's six, six K and you know, he's averaging 30 points, um, that kind of brings us right into our next point, Dave. And it's going to be, you know, the five X rule and a lot of people use it. And I said, we'd get into some terminology and this is probably one of the most common term, uh, terminology phrases used in DFS. And it's, you know, four X, five X, six X, you know, all the way up to eight, 10 X and what that means. So. Uh, if you have a quick minute, why don't you just let people know if they have, if they don't already, what the I guess five X rule is um, for a guy that would be six K. Absolutely. So for a guy that's six K, uh, for in order to kind of hit that at five X, um, you're going to be looking at it from uh, just a points perspective. So if so, a five X guy uh, would typically get. Uh, somewhere in the 35 point range, um, and, and that's kind of the kind of the floor for for, for, for a 5x player versus a 4x player. So typically, when we're looking at cash games, if we're looking at it from that perspective, um, we're looking at guys that are more likely to hit that 4 5x number versus get that 8 to 10x. And I'm not saying that it's not possible that they're going to get to the 8 and 10x kind of really kind of absolute, uh, you know, being able to to exceed value tremendously, but I think they're, they're more prone to the more of those four X five X type of outputs in that 35 to 40 point range uh, versus going for those big 60 point numbers uh, that you could potentially see from a $6,000 player. Yeah. And it really just comes down to, from the standpoint of uh, you know, what the guy's salary is, what his price tag is to determine what the, you know, what five X is for them. So, uh, you know, five X could be is going to be different for all different prices, obviously. So if a guy is five, you know, five thousand dollars, he costs five thousand dollars on DK. Five uh, X would simply just be his price tag uh, times five. And that would be about, you know, 25 fantasy points. So we're 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 banking on this guy getting at least 25 you know, fantasy points. If you don't feel confident that you can get 25 fantasy points in that night on DK, uh, that's the type of night where you say hey, this guy's probably not a cash game. I don't feel, you know, 60 to 75, 80 percent sure that he's going to get me that 25 fantasy points where, uh, you know, a guy that is, for another example, 10K. 5x would be 50 fancy points. So, you know, the, obviously the higher the price tag is, uh, you know, the more cl- more close, like closer they're going to be to 5x. You know, you're not expecting a guy that costs 10k to give you 8x every night, like in a tournament, as opposed to a guy that costs you, you know, 6k. You really want him to have the upside of 8x in a tournament. 
Um, you know, 5X is exactly what we're looking for, regardless of the price tag, whether it's a 10K guy, whether it's a 5K guy. Obviously, the more the merrier. Uh, we want to just, you know, go for a little bit upside. We don't want to just fill our lineups with a bunch of Thaddeus Youngs. Uh, but, you know, we, we want to make sure that we have that nice, safe floor. And a 5X mark is generally the consensus mark for cash games. You'll hear people say anywhere between four and six is what you're shooting for. Uh, but if, you know, I usually just say in my head, if he can't get five, I don't think he can get me five, at least five X. Um, I'm not considering for cash. You know, I, I'll take the chance on a guy like that in tournaments, because if I don't feel confident in him, get me five X. Um, I might feel confident that he has the upside to get more, just not the confidence that he has the floor to get that five X. So, uh, you know, that's pretty much what I wanted to just go over real quick as, as far as the, you know, the quick five X rule. I know a lot of people always ask, you know, what does that necessarily mean? How do we apply that? Um, and that's exactly how we do it generally over here. And I'm sure just about everywhere for DFS in this landscape. But, um, you know, one other one other key rule and key factor that I always think of and I think is very, very important as far as cash game play. And, it, and this goes for tournament play. Um, but if some of the things that, you know, we see that make a guy so chalky that make him such a good cash game play, um, you know, that stand stand out right away. And it's simply, you know, minutes equal money. Um, it's something that we've been saying over here, um, you know, at hoop ball for quite some time. And, you know, if a guy's getting the minutes, he's getting the opportunity. And those are two of the things that you need to be successful in DFS. Uh, you know, we talk about points per minute. We talk about everything as far as that goes. Uh, but you need to be on the court and, the, you know, being on the court obviously gives you that higher ceiling. So, um, you know, what are some other things that, you know, you could think of, uh, you know, that are, are, are nice little, uh, tidbits for our listeners that they can use that, you know, minutes equal money, um, you know, for these chalkier plays, what makes a guy chalky, I guess you is another way you could say it, a chalky cash game play. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great first nugget. I, I would definitely agree with that. I think that's number one kind of starting rule for any, any of those kind of chalky plays when you're looking at cash games. I think another one that I, I can't stress enough is looking at matchups. So matchups, matchups, matchups. Um, at any given slate, um, there are certain matchups you really want to take advantage of, and you know that the team playing that that team is is going to be a, a great matchup from a DFS perspective. They don't play a lot of defense. They don't play a lot of man to man defense or any kind of team defense, and you know that there's a potential as long as that player plays minutes, as like you mentioned, um, there's a good chance they're going to put up that 5x number. So I think that's that's something you really want to look for on any given slate. Always find those matchups to really build your lineups around when you're looking at cash games. That's uh, a, a great tip. And, I mean, we can even spend a couple minutes real fast just talking about a couple of those teams that – um, you know, pre pre COVID, I guess we could say um, we were looking at as those chalky matchups. And, you know, that's I couldn't have, you know, that's a perfect example because, you know, I'm thinking Hawks, I'm thinking Wizards, uh, Timberwolves, uh, Pelicans, you know, four teams that just pop right into my head where as soon as I see them on the schedule, I look at who's facing them. Uh, you know, there's some prototypical. Those are four teams we know play pretty well up in pace. Where it's going to be pretty high scoring. Um, and we also know those are going to be two teams where, uh, you know, they, they bleed points. They play or four teams that play little to no defense. So most people, like you said, are going to gravitate towards those guys and they're going to be considered chalky. And, you know, we may take some secondary options instead of the, you know, the primary options in, in our uh, in our tournaments. But in cash games, 
we can be as chalky as we'd like. We can load up on these games. And, you know, that brings us into probably um, another little fun thing that we can keep in mind and just talk about real fast. And uh, it's very, very, I guess, similar to, you know, matchups. And it's just, um, you know, player matchups. You know, there's some teams that, you know, maybe they're not necessarily uh, the fastest paced team or they don't have the worst, you know, defense but they might struggle at one position uh, specifically. And you'll hear me say this often with the teams like the Kings. Um, you know, the Kings, you know, they play pretty decent defense all around, but they struggle mightily against shooting guards. So um, a shooting guard going into Sacramento can tend to be pretty chalky on any given night. But um, another thing that I'm not generally worried about as much in my cash games as opposed to my GPPs, and it just circles back to ownership, um, we're not worried about the ownership as much in these cash games, so we will eat that sort of chalk, uh, regardless if it's a team matchup, a pace kind of matchup, if it's just a defense versus position sort of matchup. Um, we'll, we're willing to kind of eat all of that good stuff up, my friend. Um, well, that's, uh, I mean, that's pretty much it, I guess, really, for, for our cash game, just a little run through, uh, you know, basic things that separate it, the differences between GPP. Uh, some of the strategies that we use when we're kind of constructing these. Obviously, it's uh, it's a little bit more difficult to talk about when we don't have prices right in front of you. And, you know, we're always willing to kind of field these questions if anybody has any. But um, why don't we why don't we take a quick second? We'll just give a quick shout out to uh, presenting sponsors, you know, Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee. Uh, you know, absolutely love these guys. You'll hear me mention them tried and true. Uh, every single morning, it's basically how I start my morning, uh, is with a cup of Hawaiian Isles Kona coffee. So uh, you get your fancy gold clip, you get the grinds. I use a Keurig, Dave. I don't know. I, I, that should have been the first question I started this podcast <laughs> off with. Are you a coffee guy? I am. I'm a huge coffee guy. All right. All right. Well, I knew. I knew. I, I told Dan from now on, like, if we're going to bring people on, uh, they got to have the good cup of Joe. I, I it's my, it's my sanity check. I don't know. I got to know who I'm working with over here. Uh, and you know, you get those people that are like, I don't drink coffee, and I'm like, okay. Um, so what? You're, you're better than us. Um, I don't get it. You know, you know, what are you, what are you trying to prove here? So, uh, but no, seriously, guys, check out Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee. You can check them out on Amazon. Go to HawaiianIsles.com. Uh, just multitudes, light roast, dark roast, whatever you're feeling, they're fantastic. Check them out. And uh, when you have a chance, give us a follow on Twitter. You can find me at Mike Apatria. It's M-I-K-E-A-P-O-T-R-I-A. Uh, you can find David at dmenk 33 Dave, do I have that correct? That is correct. Why don't you spell that for the good people? Uh, D-Menk, it's D-M-E-N-K-33. Absolutely. And we'll give a quick second just to shout out our good buddy over here at Hoopball, uh, who just had a new little child brought into this world. So a uh, big shout out to Devin, uh, Devin Ellington, struggling to say that, Devin Ellington, uh, you know, bringing a new child into this world. Congratulations to him and his family over there. Um, we wish you guys nothing but the best, and we are very happy to have you proud of this hoopball community. For those who don't know, Devin has been one of the forefront members of our hoopball gaming, uh, absolutely crushing it. And I just wanted to take a second to kind of throw it over there. So if you guys have a minute, uh, give him a quick shout out on Twitter. Uh, tell him congratulations, and I'll be appreciative because it's always nice getting a little bit of love from from everybody, especially when you're bringing on a new child, new member. Uh, that baby doesn't even know, but it's a member of this hoopball community now, whether it likes it or not. 
But uh, before we take off, I mean, this was pretty much a quick hitter show, 30-minute show. Uh, we'll just spend a couple minutes. Um, I know you have a few things written down just over the past couple of weeks. We're not going to go over every single detail um, as we start breaking down the teams. A lot of this will probably come a little bit more of the forefront. But is there anything that stands out as just some important news that you took away that might be useful once DFS NBA kicks back off? Absolutely, Mike. I think... So there's been a few rumblings. I think one of the the, the, the big kind of injury-related news, uh, the, the most, I guess, recent one, um, I would say uh, from a, just kind of a guys that are recovering from injury. Um, so there's been a few guys that I, I, when we hit pause on the season, there's been a couple guys that there were question marks in terms of when they will play again this year. So there's been some additional rumblings around guys like Blake Griffin, uh, potentially of of the uh, the Pistons uh, coming back, uh, he's claiming that he's fully healthy. So that should be interesting. To something something to monitor um, based on kind of whether he's going to get any minutes at all um, if if and when the season does restart. So that could be interesting. Uh, I thought that was pretty exciting. Uh, also, the uh, kind of injury recovery I've been following a lot of Yusef Nurkic. Uh, that, that's very interesting as well. Um, given how well of a fantasy monster Hassan Whiteside has been this year um, for anyone that's been able to build lineups with him. Um, it's going to be interesting to see kind of the time allotment between those two, uh, that position battle. So that should be fun to watch as well uh, from my perspective. Uh, and so let's, let's talk about the Blake Griffin, um, Blake Griffin news. How, how would you expect that to affect us in DFS necessarily? Um, because obviously the the impact it would have would be drastic. We're talking about a guy who um, absorbs a ton of usage, uh, could see significant you know change in his stats alone with now Andre Drummond playing over there in Cleveland. Uh, but who would that affect? And you know on the floor and what kind of price tag? I know this is a I'm throwing a loaded question um, at you uh, because you know it's kind of hard to gauge that. Would you be comfortable with paying for Blake Griffin coming back with no Andre Drummond uh, if he were healthy? I would say, I mean, if we're looking at just Blake Griffin having just health on his side, uh, that's a clear-cut example of a GPP play uh, for sure versus a cash game play because there's so many factors, there's so many question marks there uh, in terms of his playing time, his, his game shape, uh, how many minutes they're going to try and run him out there. Um, but in terms of who he's going to affect the most, uh, I think there's no question about the development we've seen in the past uh, month, about six weeks even, of Christian Wood, who has really come, come into his own uh, for the Pistons. So that could be a huge uh, kind of deterrence from a usage perspective, um, and that could really affect his, uh, his potential uh, as the season resumes. Uh, and then from a pricing standpoint, that, that's a real tough one, Mike. I have to say, um, it's. I would say <laughs> his his price could be anywhere between six thousand all the way up to up to eight thousand, even uh, depending on on how egregious uh, they want to price him out when he comes back. Yeah, and uh, you know, I, I knew that was kind of a loaded. Uh, you know, I was I was hoping for some sort of range. If uh, listen, if you came out and said uh, he's going to be seventy two hundred, and I was going to write seventy two hundred and circle it. And then when this all ended, just look back at it. And if you were right, I was going to ask you for the lotto numbers. It was going to be that simple. That was that was the plan. Uh, but yeah, no, I think you you 
you're absolutely right. I think Christian Wood would be the guy clearly affected the most just because he's simply, uh, you know, the the diamond in the rough. I've been a big Christian Wood guy for some time now, and he's a high ceiling, pretty high floor guy that can be used in cash games and tournaments, and he's probably the best DFS and fantasy option on the Pistons right now. So, uh, you know, he's if he's clearly going to be affected, that's something that we have to take into account, and it's going to be his salary possibly being too high right when we come out of the gate because it's not taken into account that Blake Griffin's going to be playing next to him. Uh, and it could be that Blake's is too low because uh, he might be priced as though, you know, Andre Drummond was still on the floor because a lot of their numbers that they'll be using for their algorithms will be based on, you know, how healthy is he. So it's going to be in his minutes. Um, you know, we can't expect a guy like that to probably play a boatload of minutes for a non-competitive team right now. Uh, but if he were to come out and play big minutes, he'd probably be underpriced because of the minutes. And he'd probably be underpriced because, we, you know, Andre Drummond was eating rebounds alongside of him um, since they've been there. So uh, I would be okay with paying, you know, if he's playing 35 minutes, let's say, I'd be okay with paying that eight grand if, without Andre Drummond there. I doubt we end up seeing a guy like that play that many minutes uh, when we get back in there or, you know, if he plays at all. But, um, you know, probably going to be a little bit underpriced. Definitely, definitely GPP, though, because there's so, so much uh, risk involved. The ceiling's high, but the floor, or, I mean, the, the floor's high, but the ceiling's pretty low as well. We've seen some pretty, some pretty big duds out of Blake and the injury risk involved as well. Um, Another big, you know, tidbit that just popped out is uh, Bogdanovich, Boyan Bogdanovich for the Jazz uh, had to undergo some wrist surgery. So he was dealing with discomfort for most of the season, kind of played through it. It went away uh, during his little layoff during COVID while he was home. It kind of popped back up. He got checked out. And, uh, you know, the team and uh, Bogdanovich opted that it would probably be wise to just get the surgery now. They have him on a four-year long deal uh, rather than this be a problem down the road. You know, at this point, no one's completely sure if they do have a season, when it will come back or what's going on with it. So uh, I think all just kind of make ran into that decision where let's get the surgery now. But, you know, that's another thing that we're going to have to keep in mind once we get back in there and you know, who are the players you expect to kind of take advantage of uh, with Bogdanovich now sidelined? I guess who's going to get a little bit of increase in usage and such things. Um, and then, you know, that'll bring us into, you know, which guy do you think would be the the chalkier play um, for DFS? Yeah, that's a great, great point. Um, and and if, if I may, I think it's, it's astounding that Boyan Bogdanovich was able to to have he was having kind of a career year when, when this all when this all went down um and he was able to play through this injury for so many months uh on his shooting hand so that's very that, that's commendable just 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 to put that out there as well uh pretty impressive stuff but from a from i would say from a chalkier play uh, without a doubt donovan mitchell is, is a huge benefactor here um because he was already uh, the lead dog um, from the from the jazz side uh, in terms of just his play and his fantasy potential um, from a daily fantasy potential he's been averaging the most uh, DFS points of anyone. Um, Rudy Gobert I don't think will be as effective uh, with this injury news. Another guy that might end up being a little more chalky, a uh, guy that was really rounding into form as the season was was went into pause was Mike Conley Jr. Um, he was another guy that kind of a forgotten DFS player for most of the year, really priced down, um, but really started to come on a little bit towards towards the, the end there. So it's a couple guys to look at. See, and, uh, you know, that just shows how, you know, different some people think. Because I actually, when you said Mike Conley, 
Um, that popped in my head, and I think that would be the the less chalky play. I think a lot of people would probably gravitate more towards Mitchell. Uh, even you know Joe Ingles, I think, is a big beneficiary to this now because he's probably going to go back to um, you know either playing the three or the four. I think Royce O'Neal would would obviously see some more minutes. He he's one of those guys that would make sense in cash because you know not necessarily a super high ceiling. Uh, but minutes equal money, and you know if he's dirt cheap playing 35 minutes, he's most likely going to have a decent enough floor where we're not too worried about him. Uh, you know, getting 40 or 50 DK points, we'll take the 20 or 25 from him for less than 4K or 4K ish. Um, so Mike Conley actually stood out to me as a player that I kind of have some interest with, just because he's been burning everybody all season long. Um, you touched on it. I don't think Gobert would be a big beneficiary just simply because, you know, Bogdanovich purely is a scorer. If I don't, if I remember correctly, he had a stat line this season. I believe it was like 34 actual points with, you know, zero points or zero rebounds, zero assists, zero steals, zero blocks, nothing else. You're strictly points. So you're going to be looking for the guys that are going to have to take on some more of a scoring load. Uh, you know, they'll see their usage increase. I think Conley, you hit the nail on the head, will probably see something, but I think uh, he would stand out as a, the guy that burned everybody earlier and was like the Utah bust. Uh, while, you know, Mitchell, Ingles, and even Royce O'Neal would probably be everybody's first go-to options. I don't I, 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 am I, am, am I just speaking that into existence? Uh, no, do you think I, I, honestly, I, I mean, you bring up a good point. I, when I met Mike Conley, I, I meant more the fact that I think that he, he's certainly a guy to look at. If you want to, if you want to build your lineup, a guy, maybe more of a potential GPP play in the beginning, but could potentially become more of a cash game play. But, but to your point, he has burned so many people throughout the year that, it's certainly certainly a risk, and it's it's fair to call him far from a from a chalky option. <laughs> no, no, and I wasn't saying it in a way of like you're wrong. No, no, I mean that's a great it's a great thing to talk about, and you know we almost have to speak about these things because you know the first three names, the ones that pop into your head, are generally going to tend to be the ones that are a little bit chalky. Um, and it, and it's not always chalky for everybody. So you think of it in the mindset, I'm sure of, uh, you know, you don't, and it's a good mindset to have. You don't let, you know, somebody, uh, what they did for you, they, for you yesterday affect what they're going to do for you today. You don't look at it from that angle. Uh, you take each day as a new, as a new one, as a whole, where, you know, you don't let the, the bridges burn necessarily impact you, your decision-making when you're playing a guy, which I think is extremely important. Um, you know, I, I don't think a lot of people have that same capability. And that's kind of why when I look at, you know, Mike Conley, um, I, I kind of look at him from the same lens as you. I still think he's extremely talented. I think he has a lot of good games. And I think maybe uh, this time off is only going to be helpful for a guy like him that is generally nursing a few uh, soreness injuries kind of thing. But um, let's let's hope, man, if we get a cheap Mike Conley and he's low on, I think that's good for both of us. But uh I- <laughs> uh, we'll just touch on a few other things and we'll, we'll, uh, we'll take off out of here. Uh, Joel Embiid, uh, Brett Brown kind of came out and said that when playoffs do begin, he's expecting Joel Embiid to play 38 minutes a night. Uh, that stands out to me as something that's huge simply because he is a point per minute monster. Um, giving him 38 minutes a night in the East is, you know, pretty much every team he'll go against besides Toronto struggles with rebounding should be able to have their way with all those other centers. Um, the fact that Ben Simmons is still pretty much hurt. They said that he's getting some on-court uh, you know, workouts in and everything like that. But 
basically, if things were to start tomorrow, he probably wouldn't be ready. So I think Embiid, they're pretty much looking to shoulder a lot of this uh, playoff potential work once this does kick back off. So um, something I thought was worth noting, maybe you have a little star next to him. It's worth keeping an eye on. And the Nets came out and said Kevin Durant would not be playing if the season were to continue. Uh, regardless, which I don't know your take on that, Dave. It doesn't make much sense to me. I think if he could play, like if he actually is healthy enough to play and they have Kyrie Irving healthy enough to play and the Nets are in the playoffs, why not play? Um, I don't know. What's your, what's your feeling on that? Yeah, it's, it's certainly a tricky, tricky, sticky situation uh, on the Nets side and Kevin Durant's side. I mean, he's looking at his future and kind of where kind of the, the team is headed and kind of the potential there. Uh, even for next, as soon as next year, and given this season is potentially going to be shortened to a point where we still don't know in terms of from a Kyrie side, is Kyrie coming back? Um, and if they're both healthy, I mean, to your point, and they're in the playoff picture, they have a legitimate chance as, as any other team to, to really make a run at it. And, and, and he can provide some, some, some fantasy, some, some daily fantasy gold, potentially, if he is healthy enough to play. But given just you know, just what we've seen in the past with Kevin Durant. Um, I feel like there's, you know, based on what happened in Golden State especially, um, I feel like he's going to definitely be more cautious this time around versus the last time. Yeah, I think that's exactly what it comes down to. And I don't I don't blame him for being cautious. Um, you know, I think uh, they're, they weren't expecting to have him at all this season, so it wasn't even a thought in their mind. So it, it's not even you know worth or you need to really necessarily entertain it going forward. But uh, it would be cool. Uh, I would love to see them kind of come in. I mean, realistically, they're going to have a very similar team that they have right now as opposed to next year, even probably with a few less guys. Joe Harris, I'm, I don't know if they'll be able to keep him uh, retained when he's expected to hit free agency. And so... Uh, I, I think that they'd have a very good chance to kind of come out with both those guys healthy, but that's a, that's a big key factor. And, uh, you know, it's Kevin Durant. I it seems like to me, it would be another asterisk championship. And that's kind of like Kevin Durant's thing. He, you know, he loves having those championships that people are going to, you know, wonder, did he deserve or did he earn? Uh, so th- this would just be another opportunity to throw one more up, but. Uh, that's all we have for you guys. Um, we're we're going we're gonna to wrap it up over here. Uh, we do appreciate you guys listening. So if you have a chance, please go on iTunes. Give us a five-star rating if you could. Uh, anywhere you can listen to this podcast, you can find it on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, iHeartRadio, uh, all over the place, guys. So we really do appreciate it. It allows us to continue uh, knowing what we're doing right and then improving on what you guys think that uh, you'd rather hear or what you like better. So we're just always trying to make sure that we're hitting on all the good points and making this entertaining for you guys so let us know what you think and uh give us some positive constructive feedback so is there anything else you'd like to say dave before we take off out of here uh no i i think one one thing i wanted to just close out with is just hoping for everyone to continue to stay healthy and uh get excited for this nba season if and when it does resume and and just excited to to see some live sports again that's going to be great Absolutely, brother. And it's a when, not if. Let's keep we got the we got the positive mentality. I, I need basketball, man. So I gotta I gotta say when uh, when the NBA returns. But uh, I, I I had a great time doing the show with you. I'm looking forward to the next one. I think uh, you'll probably be on with Andrew next. Uh, but we're gonna be we're gonna be pumping out some shows early and more often uh, than we have been. Uh, this was just kind of my off season. I was I was taking the time to get the body and the mind right. 
and uh, heal up from those midseason nagging injuries I've been dealing with. So we'll be, we'll be back soon enough, guys. Next show, we'll be breaking down some GPP strategy, and then we will start transitioning into some team breakdowns and what we're expecting once this season does stay, kick back off. So uh, from everybody over here at Hoopball, from me, from Dave, stay safe, take care, and have yourselves a good day. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.